0: Good morning. How are we all doing? Well, good. Good to see you all. It's always really fun talking about healing wherever you are, but I love talking about healing here because I look around and I can see people before my very eyes who have been healed in this place. And um, so I feel full of faith of what what God is going to do this morning and um, to kind of bring this message to you. And what I'd like to do is start this morning by inviting Henrik up. Um, now I know a number of you would have heard Henrik. Henrik spoke about his story of healing here just over a year ago. Um, but I can't get enough of it personally. In fact I just shared it in the last service and uh, I really enjoyed sharing it. But it's much better to have it from the horse's mouth isn't it? And uh, so Henrik's going to share a little bit of his story um, of healing. Thank yeah. You. Thank you. So
1: Three minutes it will be a, the, the short version. So, April 2016, I was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia. And having leukemia is not good news. But what I had was something called fractured AML. And that means that the normal chemotherapy doesn't work. You need to use really heavy stuff. And if the heavy stuff doesn't work, there's no plan B. Plan B is normally you get a transplant, a stem cell transplant. So... Um, uh, in the summer of uh, 2016, there were some really dark days, was, I was in lots of pain, uh, this really bad chemotherapy uh, is uh, going through uh, my body, and uh, this, the strange thing was, the worse the medical situation was, the more I felt God's presence with me in that hospital room. and. I, I realized that the most important thing was not that I was going to live. I, I desperately wanted to live. I wanted to grow old with anger and see my kids grow up. But that was not the most important thing. I realized the most important thing is that I know that I'm a beloved child of God. And I, that identity has lived uh, with me since then. And it didn't, I didn't know if I was going to heal. I didn't know if I was going to see Christmas. But I knew that it was going to be okay. So in my hospital room in the summer, um, waiting for, to see if this treatment worked, I had this vivid picture of being in a really dark, deep hole, and Jesus just taking his hand and grabbing me and pulling me up. And a few days later, the result came back, and the treatment had worked, and I could do plan B, so I could have a stem cell transplant. Now, throughout this, my very organized wife, she had uh, organized a WhatsApp group. I had lots of people praying for me. I had daily prayers. I had um, encouragement, scripture words. Every time I shopped in church, Shakti would pray for me and James as well. So I was really covered in prayer through this period. Fast forward um, to 2017, summer 2017. Now, if you've had a stem cell transplant, basically you have a completely new immune system. Um, it means that the, the, the body sometimes uh, reacts towards this. Uh, but I, in summer 2017, I had something that was very severe. I had all kinds of things. Um, my, my legs swelled up. I was in, in, in pain uh, all the time. My, my liver uh, uh, didn't work properly. And my, my red blood cell count dropped. I had blood transfusions. And the doctors, they didn't say anything, but they looked really, really worried. And when, my, when some of my values just shot off the complete chart, they, they, they had not seen that before. They, they really did not know what to do. So at that time, Inge thought, this is a James 5.14 moment. And this is what it says. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil. So on 12th of July, 2017, 20 people came to our house in North Kingston and... Um, But a dozen prayed for me in Greenwich, where we lived before, and about 30 around the world who was on that WhatsApp group prayed for me. And it was a great prayer evening. It was an hour. It was nothing magic. They just lay hands on me. Um, A vicar friend anointed me with oil. I felt peace. I felt God's presence. But nothing happened. I was still in pain. And I know, I remember telling them that I was desperate because I've been in constant pain for weeks. And I said, my body's broken. I just need to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. But nothing seemed to Some of the people who, who was there at night, they were a little bit disappointed as they, as they went. Next morning when I woke up, the pain was gone, the swelling was gone, and before I couldn't even go to the bathroom um, uh, without the stick, I took Harriet to Wimbledon for half a day. And I knew that that evening I was healed, and the next time I came to the hospital, all my values were significantly better. And since that day, I have not had any problem with my illness at all. So, I I go back to hospital every every six months or so, and they all, all say, You've had a remarkable recover, and recently someone said, he looked at me, he looked at my values, looked at my skin, um, asked me what I'm doing, I said I play tennis, I swim, you know, I work full time, what I do, he said, it, it is as if you have not had any illness. And I told them, and I tell them every time what really happened, but prayer meeting still has not got into the medical records. <laughs>
0: Thank you, Henrik, so much. It's an amazing story, isn't it? An astonishing story of God's healing. And uh, our reading today from Acts 3 is another astonishing story of God's healing. Let me read this to you. And it might be just worth saying, with Acts, it's written by Luke, the gospel the writer who wrote Luke as well. And he, he was a really careful historian, Luke he writes in beautiful greek you know really really fine uh, language he researched the shipwreck at the end of acts is one of the finest ancient descriptions of a shipwreck you will find there's nothing else like it in ancient literature because he really cared about history and accuracy and detail so what i'm guess what i'm saying is this actually happened <laughs> he was careful listen to this one day peter and john were going up to the temple at the time of prayer They recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I wonder, are you filled with wonder and amazement when you hear that story? Are you filled with wonder and amazement when you hear Henrik's story? When you hear any story of healing? I think they they inspire us, and they also challenge us don 't they, when we hear these stories and as we, we think about this this story in particular this morning, this passage, I, I want to do it by thinking about the three different groups of people in it you 've got the crowds you 've got Peter and John, and you 've got the man himself who was healed, the lame man and uh, perhaps you kind of can easily relate to one of those groups as you think about the story. Probably the easiest group to relate to is, is the crowds, looking on, seeing this amazing thing happening. And uh, when it happened, Peter and John, uh, we, if you read on in, the, in, in Acts 3, it says, uh, Peter and John who, who, who said to the crowd who were astonished, and um, Peter and John said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why does this surprise you and then Peter goes on to to explain actually you know this this is a great miracle, this is an amazing miracle but but actually he pointed straight away to jesus and said it's it's not us who's done the miracle it's jesus and more than that, even though this is an amazing miracle, there is a much greater one in the fact that jesus has been raised from the dead. And and we were witnesses of that, he says. And that is the big miracle. Death itself has been defeated. And I guess part of... uh, uh, They then go on to invite people to repent. And the word repent means to have a change of thinking, a change of direction. And basically what he's saying is take the astonishment of this miracle and let it realign you with the truth of God. Realign you with the fact that God exists, that God is powerful, that he is alive, and that it's through Jesus he does these things. Realign yourselves through the truth to the truth. Take this astonishment and realign yourself. And you know, it is, when we, when we see an astonishing miracle, uh, you know, we naturally get excited, and rightly so. And it's wonderful and incredible. But all those miracles we read of in the book of Acts, amazing miracles that happened, so many of them, I hate to sort of break the news to you, but all those people are dead (laughs) now. And really, ultimately, all those miracles were totally futile if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead. Because that's the big miracle, that death has been defeated, that Jesus is alive and rose from the dead and so can we. And this miracle of eternal life that we can be given. And you know, there were others in the crowd. So there were some in the crowd who were astonished. And when they got this call to repent, to change their way of thinking, they did. And they realigned themselves with this new reality, this new truth. But there were others in the crowd. They were astonished too. But, well, this is what the priests said who were part of the people in the crowd. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows They have performed a notable sign. And notice they use the word sign, pointing to something else, even greater. They have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer in this name. That didn't work, did it? (laughs) About two billion people around the world know this story now. Kind of leaked out, didn't it? And the thing is, the world, when they get astonished by a miracle, they often want to silence it. They know they can't deny it. You know, Henrik's standing in front of us saying this story. It's very hard to deny it. it's very inconvenient because if we don't try and silence it well it challenges us we need to change and if you're anything like me you don't want to change because change is hard work and difficult and annoying and frustrating but actually these miracles declare to us we need to change and that priests then and people now they don't want to change and you know just like Henrik was saying the doctors you know all his graphs it was I remember he's talking about his inflammation marker with their mental inflammation markers about meant to be about three to five and yours got up to about 230 in the end I think it peaked at and 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 it peaked pretty much on the 12th of July and then the graph just goes down like that and and and, and you would think sort of scientific brain would look to those notes and say what happened on the 12th of july and henrik told the doctors this is what happened they prayed for me it's not going in the medical notes though it's too challenging it's too out of our frame of reference it requires too much change and we just can't go there you know when my faith first came alive in my mid-20s I heard some stories of healing, and i got so excited. I thought, this is amazing. This is ama- These people have actually been healed in our day and age. And I thought, I'd only need to tell some of my friends, and they would think it was amazing too, and they'd all come running to church, and everyone would come to faith, and it would all be really exciting. But it wasn't. <laughs> they heard the stories, no, they wanted to ignore it. And, and silence it, and not really talk about it. And I learned over the years, it's it's because well, actually they didn't really want to change. It's just a bit inconvenient. I like the way life is and the way things are, and I I don't want to move on it. And you know, part of the promises we we've, we've made over Oliver wasn't he well behaved? What a star! Um, it, he. You know, we're making these promises to bring him up in the knowledge and love of God so that he can be informed and know. But he'll still have to make a decision one day. All these astonishing things I'm hearing about. Am I going to bring myself into alignment with that? Or am I going to choose to walk another way? What about Peter and John? So that's the crowd and this challenge to the crowd. What about Peter and John? Here they were, just doing their business regularly, going up to the temple to pray, as they did probably each day, three in the afternoon, it says. And um, they must have been this way before. They must have passed this lame man before because we're told he was there every day and he was over 40 years old and there's a sense he's been there year in, year out for ages. And not only must they have passed this man before, Jesus must have passed this man before because Jesus used to go up to the temple to pray and hang out and talk. So I guess you could ask the question, why have they not healed him before? Why were they so slow? Why do they just walk on by and leave him there on the other occasions? And the answer is, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I've got a few ideas. I've got a few thoughts on the subject. It doesn't tell us. But one thing is, every single day he was there, more people got to know him and to see him. And if he'd been healed after a day, after a week, after a month, after a year even, less people would have known him, less people would have been aware. But in his waiting and waiting and waiting, when that healing finally came, it brought extraordinary glory to God. Because everyone knew and they could not deny it. That's the man who sat lame at the, the temple gate beautiful so maybe that was something to do with it I know again with, with Henrik when he talks about his story he sometimes mentions the percentages of chances that he was, so I mentioned it was sort of 50% and then you know with a bone marrow transplant there's, the percentages aren't good of recovery, of survival, of getting through it without losing your hearing or sight, things like that. But Henrik says it's 100% God will use this for good. That was the percentage he could always rely on, 100% that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, 100%. And here's another thing to think about why they sort of passed on by. When Jesus walked past that lame man he would have known one day I'm going to heal him. One day I'm going to set him free. And actually it's the same for each one of us in this room today. We trust in Jesus. He looks in you now and said, one day I'm going to heal you. Every single one of you. It may not be in this life, but eternally you are healed. You will be given a new resurrection body, the New Testament tells us. A new life, eternal life with him, full of joy and peace and love and laughter. He's going to heal you that's the promise. And he knew that with that man too. But anyway, so here was the thing, Peter and John, this was the day he opened their eyes. This was the day he, 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 he called them to, to step out. And um, the actions of Peter and John were, 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 were in alignment with the truth of God. They had aligned themselves to what God wanted to do. And Peter didn't, just kind of lay his hand on him and pray for him a bit, or kind of give him some money, or st- start talking to him much. He just looked at him and, uh, 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 and uh, grabbed hold of his hand and told him in the name of Jesus, "Get up." It was really bold, really brave. No kind of sort of faffing around, was there? Just come here, get on your feet. And, and this confidence Peter had had come out of this relationship of trust, of learning to walk with Jesus and follow Jesus, coming into alignment with his ways. And, you know, it wasn't always like this for Peter, both in the past and into his future. You know, he had pushed Jesus away when he first met him. He had denied Jesus when Jesus went to the cross. He had he, waxed and waned in his following. But the one thing Peter always did is he always repented. He always brought himself back into alignment with Jesus, however far he'd messed up or fallen and so on. And so the journey is not simple and straightforward and easy, but if we follow him, he will use us. If we try to bring ourselves into alignment with his ways, he will use us. And so we can walk with a confidence like Peter and John. You know, if you're here today and you, you've already invited Jesus into your life. And there's a, there's a verse in, in, in Revelation that he stands at the door and knocks. And if anyone opens the door, he says, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. He'll come and dwell in us. And many of you here have done that. He lives in you. You can have total confidence of that. But you know, I think so often the case is with us is that Jesus is actually still knocking on the door, but now hoping to get out of your heart and go and do something, and work through you and be that channel of healing and love and peace. But so often we're we're not confident that He's in there, and I think Jesus is saying, "I'm in here. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's try and walk." in the same way Peter and John did, and be a channel of his love. At the last service, James, who is involved in healing on the street, and actually, um, Henrik's wife, Inga, is involved in healings on the street. Um, they're out there every Monday and Friday, praying on the streets here in Hampton Wick for people, for healing. And it's been amazing to see the people over the years who have been healed, who have been encouraged, who have been built up. And it's not always easy. It's not necessarily... Um, you know, just a relaxing couple of hours out in the street. It's quite challenging. But as we step out in faith, God uses us powerfully. And James um, shared a story of someone whose neck and shoulder just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, The the pain was completely healed in that as they prayed for her on the street. And she left positively beaming, he said. And you know, we do this together. We don't send out... Inger or James or any of these people out onto the streets alone. And Peter and John didn't go out on alone. We do this together. And um, they often say on TV, don't they? They say, don't try this at home. And as Christians, we should always say, don't try this alone. <laughs> we need to work together. Because Peter and John, Peter was the risk taker often, the kind of bold disciple. And John was the kind of beloved disciple. And, and, and they had different characteristics they'd brought to it. So we try and do this Together, we step out together. We're not lone rangers. And um, we do it because Jesus commanded us to pray for the sick. And we're responding to that command. He doesn't always heal people, and we know that. And often we don't know why. And it's very frustrating and disappointing and sad when he doesn't. But it doesn't stop us praying for people because he's asked us to do it and we know that sometimes he does it. And I, I just reminded it with, with Richard sitting in front of me here. He was ill in hospital, reached out to us for the community to pray. to pray, And we prayed and it pretty much turned around a bit like Henrik from that day. Turned around and he was healed of an autoimmune this immune system attacking him we pray and we pray and we pray some people get healed some don't but we keep praying but you know what we need to do we need to keep listening to as we pray for the sick because if you're if you're ill and maybe it's very visible that you're physically ill it can be quite tiring if lots of Christians are always coming up to you praying for healing and just kind of Doing it without really connecting with you and listening to the spirit. What does the God want to do with that person right now? Yes, we pray for their healing, but we need to listen. What does God want to do in this moment with that person? Because I know from people who are in wheelchairs and things like that where it's very obvious they, they need healing. Actually, it's not always helpful when people just rush up and blindly pray for healing without really connecting. And thinking, what's the Spirit of God saying in that situation? Again, it's all part of bringing ourselves into alignment with what the Spirit wants to do. And you know, there is a place for... And and two friends who have have died over the years uh, have taught me this. There is a place for preparing someone for death. For praying into that moment that they would know the peace and the presence of God, because as we've saying, we 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 don't pray for healing because we're scared of death. We're not scared of death. Saint Paul says the sting of death is gone. We're going to live eternal lives. We pray for healing because we want people to live life and life to the full. But sometimes there comes a point where we feel the Spirit of God saying, actually, we need to prepare this person for a really amazing death, a good death. And uh, I remember reading the story of someone called uh, George who he, um, he, he felt the spirit of God say to him you just need to prepare to die and and he thought oh, I'm going to have the best possible death I can he made a list of 24 people he wanted to lead to Christ before he died and he got some to invite them to his bedside uh, as he was dying and he led 23 of them to Christ and then the 24th came to faith after he died that's a pretty good death isn't it So let's not be dogmatic, I put down here. Let's be charismatic, i.e. follow the charisms, follow the gifting of the Holy Spirit as we do this. What's he saying as we pray for better, pray for healing and follow that? Finally, the man himself, and I'll just shortly end with this. You know, you might be here today and have been sick for a long time. You might be like that man and Have not asked for healing or given up asking for healing. And I I, I just think Peter and John, like they spoke to that man, are speaking to you here today. And, And Peter and John say to that man, look at me. Look at me. And I think your heavenly father, God, is saying to you, look at me. Look at me. Because he always has something for you. He always has something for you. He gives and gives and gives. And I don't know what it is he wants to give today. I would hope and pray it's healing. But if it's not healing, there's still something he wants to give to you. Look at me. And if you receive that something... Like the lame man here, jump for joy, celebrate, give thanks to him. Because what we celebrate, we propagate. I.e., when we celebrate these things, it raises faith. As Henrik shares his story, it raises faith. If he's done it once, he might do it again. And it's great to have some faith around when we're praying for healing. Healing doesn't depend on the faith of the person who's sick. It doesn't rely on them to have more faith. It's great if they do, but the, the lame man didn't have any faith at all. He was just told, come here, basically, and bang, he's healed. But it's great if there is some faith around in the people praying. And, and, and so faith is important, but it doesn't rely on that, the sick person. And, you know, the final thing to say is it was quite ironic almost, really, that, that there was this lame man sitting under the temple gate called Beautiful. A man who would have been considered very much not beautiful by his society, by the people around him. And Jesus had prophesied, hadn't he, before he went to the cross, this temple is going to be destroyed. And the new temple is going to be in here, dwelling amongst my people. And that he is the one He's going to make us beautiful. And that's exactly what happens in this story. The lame man is the one made beautiful. He is the new temple. And we know that the temple is gone. The beautiful gate is destroyed. But we have a new one. And you and I being made beautiful by him. He says he'll bestow on us a crown of beauty. So should we ask him to do that today, to come, to bring his healing power, to bring us into alignment with what he wants to do? He's here and he loves each one of you. So what we're going to do, I'm going to ask you to stand in a moment and um, we'll have a time just to wait on the Holy Spirit for a minute or two and then I'm going to invite you forward to be anointed with oil. And we'll just simply pray a very simple prayer, just anointing you with oil for healing. And uh, you can come forward for whatever reason. Feel free to come forward to be prayed for and anointed with oil. And um, I'll also ask the prayer ministry team to come up first. And if you would like to be prayed for after you've been anointed for oil, the prayer ministry team will pray for you. But if you just want to be anointed with oil and go back and sit down, you don't want to necessarily talk to anyone, that's fine. You can do that. Okay?